Okay, everyone. Welcome to our Parshas Toldos class for 5782. Today's class is being dedicated by Ruchi Ackerman, Le'ilu Nishma Sarabas Arkady, by Jackie Nussbaum, Le'ilu Nishma Mother Matzel Basra Rav Moshe on the occasion of her second year site, by Bracha Efron with deep gratitude to Akadosh Baruch over the successful treatments for, others, for her sister Kadima Nachama Bas Chava, and for continued refuah shleimra for her and all Chole Yisrael. Anyone who'd like to participate in our Chachmava Chesed Fund, please reach out to me, ESTWeen at Gmail. Okay, here we go. So as you all know, our emphasis this year in 5782 in our study of Sefer Barashas is on the Nevoahs. What is HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealing through these messages to our various founding fathers and mothers of our nation? Because everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is revealing is obviously imperative for us to understand who we are, how to become the people we're supposed to be, how to get life right in this world. And so we looked at the Nevoahs to Avraham and to Sarah in the past weeks about the moment of death, about the unfolding of all of history. Today, we're going to look at a Nevoah that directly deals with <clears throat> the day-to-day -day challenges, not just of Amistral among the nations, our journey through history, but in ourselves. And that is going to be, um, we're gonna look at that through the message that Rivka was given through Anavi, uh, that she went to consult with, and uh, and, there was, and the message she was given about what's what is going to be the day to day the day, the inborn uh, struggle uh, in the world and in in the various nations that um, <coughs> that are that ultimately ultimately will come together. But until that point, what how will it look? Okay, so here, look into your notes. Um, and our class today is called, what is the most incompatible perspective with Ju to Judaism? All right, there's different approaches, different things we have to struggle with. The question is, what is the hardest one? The one that's really could derail us. Okay, so obviously in order to know what could totally, what could really derail us, we have to know obviously who we are. So we're gonna get into that uh, from, from, you know, from uh, hopefully add layers to what we know already. So here's the Nevoah. Rivka's pregnant. We'll get into Rivka and all the obviously Mahos and their particular strengths. She's pregnant. The Yisrotzitzu, Habanim Bekir, but there's some sort of like real drama going on in her. A lot of action. Okay. And Vatomer, uh, and she says, Imkain, Lamaza, Nochi. Obviously, there's so much to learn about every single word, but simply, simply, she's like, what is going on with me? Why? I'm confused and I'm scared. It seems to me that the child that I'm about to bear doesn't know who they are because Rashi tells us that when they pass a place of Torah learning, Shem and Avra had a yeshiva, then she didn't realize it was two. She thought it was one, then there'd be a lot of action inside of her. That would be Yaakov. Then she'd pass a place to Vodazar. There'd be a lot of also action inside of her. That would be Asaph. She thought it was one person who didn't know who they were. Just like in the beginning of Barashas, Ar Vachoshech was all chaotically interspersed until Hashem divided them. Remember that? So Vatelech Lidrosas Hashem, she went to ask Hashem for some sort of explanation. How, how what's going on? Okay. Vayomerla and Vayomerla Hashem and Hashem Seter. Vayomer Hashem and Hashem Seter. Now we've been learning about Nabua, about women and men. And what that means in terms of nevuah, that's last week's whole class. And we talked about the idea that Hashem, this is the, 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 the simple, Hashem doesn't speak to women, which we explained to, or generally doesn't, which means that the, the, the koach called the imagination, the part that visualizes and concretizes is called the female, okay? Um, generally can only visualize and concretize once it can process it rationally. And we spoke about this whole idea in terms of Yitzchak. So you might ask a question. Oh, it looks like Hashem is speaking directly to a woman again. Hashem la. What does this mean? Um, and you'll see the Rashi, Rambam brings this. It's right in your notes that it, this is one example 
of where Kaddish Baruch Hu speaks to someone, but through someone else, through a messenger, through a Navi, through a Malach. So I just am bringing this down because based on last week's class and everything we explained, this should not throw you off. Ramam openly says this is not speaking directly, so to speak, to the Isha or the, as we explained, the imagination. Okay, this is just just to un you so you know, I, I'm not going to go through the Rambam, but just if that question comes up, this is the answer. Okay, in any case, Hashem says to her, it's not one child. Really what's happening is you have two. You have two nations, which of course means two powerful forces that compete for dominance. Now that's not just on a global scale, that's in us too, okay? And he says, they're not really, they're not automatically compatible, right? Two nations, each one who considers themselves uh, worthy to be dominant, is go, they're gonna separate ways. They're gonna have two different perspectives, two different um, um, agendas, okay? And I'm just being, this is just the basic shot based on the Mephorshim. One versus the other will be strong. In other words, they can't be both the same, have the same strength at the same time. One will get stronger because of the other, the other will, and, and vice versa. It'll, one will lend strength to the other and therefore be weaker. They'll never be perfectly compatible. Each one will derive strength from being stronger than the other one, okay? Varavya votes Sa'ir, simply the one that has more or the older one will ultimately be in service of the younger one, which would be Asa would be in service of Yaakov. Okay, so first of all, she's getting um, this information. Look at the Kliyakar, all right? The Kliyakar says that she feels all this chaos in her and she goes to ask Hashem, what question is she asking Hashem? What is she asking Hashem? Remember, her answer is a prophecy. And Rivka, particularly Rivka needs to understand this and Rivka is seeking a message, seeking enlightenment from HaKadosh Baruch What does this all mean? And essentially because she was very, it was very obvious to her, like it is to all of us, that there are two very powerful forces at odds with each other. One that is very spiritual in orientation and one that is very physical in orientation. And she doesn't know, it's not just what do I do about this? Look at the Kliyakar. She says, she, he brings the famous, you know, Medrash that everybody says. And um, so she says, are there two authorities in existence? Look at the last two lines. Okay. What advantage do I have over them if there are two authorities in existence? She's saying, if there's such power going in two different directions, there's two equal forces pulling in different directions, like... How are we supposed to negotiate that? Therefore, she went to inquire of Hashem, meaning to inquire after the existence of Hashem and Hashem's essence. She wants to understand the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if the Echa, the Aleph, if when it comes into the real world, it's Bayes, like voracious Bayes. It's two different forces. So how do I understand Hashem? This is for seeking to understand how to put it all together, how we live in a physical world, which can see itself as totally distinct from the Ruchnius world, and yet is created by a Kodesh Baruch Hu with that, with exactly that nature that it feels distinct, and yet it's supposed to be part of the oneness of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. How do we pull them together? Let me, she wants a deeper understanding of what is actually some, a few of the six constant mitzvahs, that everything is one, okay? And yet that there's individuality and independence, and materiality and free choice. This is the real big, big question, okay, of life. How do we put it all together? Are these two forces equally powerful? Is the Yetzirah strong, just as strong as Yetzirah Tov or less, right? Which one is more dominant? If you look at the way the world has unfolded, you can ask yourself a question, which has generally been more dominant? That's a good question. And it's not so simple the answer, right? So um, so here's a little hint, all right? Look into the Rashi on Vayisrotzitzu. Rashi is telling us a whole huge philosophical um, concept, all right, in this simple words that he uses. So look at, the, he brings down the Gemara and he says, Vayisrotzitzu, Rabbaseinu Darshu, Lashon Ritza. It refers to, Ritza, running. You see the word ruts in vice rotsutsu, running? 
when she would pass the opening of a Torah place, like of Shem Ve'emer, they would, right? Yaakov, now look at the two words Rashi uses, rutz umefarches. He runs, and he also moves around a lot. But when she passed by a place of Avodah what does it say about Esav? Esav mefarches. He's just moving around, but he doesn't say rutz. That little tiny distinction that Rashi is bringing down from the Gemara. What's it trying to tell us? There's a form of drive in the world that gets you to a destination. There's also drives, powerful drives that get you nowhere. Mefarches in Hebrew, in modern Hebrew, means having a seizure. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of aggressive action and movement and, and determination. And right, it looks like there's a lot going on, but it's not running anywhere. The word rutz, you see, is, is the root of rutz is um, in the word eretz, right? Bereshus there are two realms. There's the realm of what's called Shemayim, which is the energy and the forces and the truths that bring that that are the source of the design of the physical world and give meaning and purpose and direction to the physical world. That's a Shemayim. And then the physical world, Eretz, is rut, it's running. It's moving, it's expressing itself somehow as in, in, in sync with and as an extension of the physical, uh, the spiritual forces that have given rise to this, these drives. Okay. But there's also the possibility of a lot of action and movement, but it's not as a result of greater spiritual forces flowing in and ideas and truths that we're trying to attain. Not at all. It's just, it's a vodazara. It's just what we always refer to as survival mode, intense engagement in the world with tremendous amount of energy, but it's not going to a destination. It's not running anywhere. There's no path that it's, it's, that it's headed towards. There's no destination. Ruts always means you're running to something. So the Eretz is running to reconnect to the Shemayim, to the to the what it came from, to express what it became from. Ratzon, exactly. Ratzon, desire, is to ultimately express and fulfill what is kind of designing us and flowing into us, and we run to express it. But what what does it look like just to be mafarche? So then we're going to begin to understand what Esav is about, and there and don't forget they're twins, and it's not just that. There are two, like we said, two competing ideologies. It's in us also. All right. So let's um, what let's go into let's go into understanding for Asa. But in order to understand Asa and this whole idea of making a lot of motion but not going anywhere, okay, let's go all the way back. Let's do a now zoom out and look at the Torah's messages about the development of the proper balance of our relationship to Kodesh Baruch Hu and, and negotiating this Ruchnius and Gashmius kind of um, two, you know, distinctions, all right? So now, Chazal tell us it was a process, the process of our coming into a relationship with Kodesh Baruch Hu that's correct and, and eternal is a process. It went through stages. One stage was called Avraham with Sarah. The next stage, which inevitably was born out of that, is called Yitzchak and Rivka. And the third stage is going to be called Yaakov and Rachel Meir. But along the way, as this was developing, the Torah also points out to us that everything had to be balanced because there's, there's always too much of something or too little of something. In other words, what Yaakov, what Avram brings to the world, we know is chesed but there could be an imbalance in chesed. What Yitzchak brings to the world is gavura, but there could be an imbalance. So let's see how Chazal say it. Psachim 88a. Rabbi Lezer said, what does the verse in Yeshayahu, okay, that says, amim rabbi, many nations will say, kumu, let's go up, el har Hashem, Beis Yaakov, the house of Yaakov. Now this came up in the Q&A. I left everyone with this question, asked for their answers and got some nice answers. 
The Gemara says at the time of the final redemption, the Beis HaMikdash will not be the same as it was in the days of Avraham Avinu. Now, it doesn't mean there was a Beis HaMikdash. It means Avraham re, um, represented a, a model of attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world, okay, which is what the Beis HaMikdash was. And it, Avraham referred, it, referred to it as a mountain. Okay, Avraham saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he brings a Pasuk from Bereshus here. He referred to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a mountain. Okay, Yitzchak, as we know, his con, his um, he his relationship with Hashem Baruch Hu, his blend of the Ruchnis and the Gashmis, his base Hamikdash, so to speak, in this world, that right was referred to as a field. Remember that? He went to Davin in a field. Of Rome went to Davin, we know, on a mountain. Which mountain are we talking about? Maria, when he totally is mavatal himself and to God. Yitzchak goes to be Davin in a field. We're going to explain what that means. And Yaakov refers to Hashem as a house when, when he has the dream and he wakes up and he says, I didn't know this is Basilokim. So in the future, it's going to be Yaakov, meaning there's, there's different components to our full understanding of our relationship with Hashem, meaning the blend of the, 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 the natural synchronicity of this world and, and, the, and the higher world. Okay, are we there so far? Okay, let's, under, let's go into it. Avraham, let's review. Ideas that we are familiar with already. Avraham is known for chesed, the definition of chesed. Remember, Rambam says this in 353. Is, anybody know the right word? The definition of chesed is overflow, overflow, excess, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu's everythingness, everythingness brought everything into creation. The mushal we always give, right, is that based on the Tehillim, I didn't put this all in because we, 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 it's, it's just a review. Tehillim 89, Olam Chesed Yebane, the Chesed overflow brings the world into existence. Ramam specifically says in Mornabuchum 353, it's an overflow meaning. We always use our mashal, the baby, the fetus in the womb, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us to exist as part of his existence. And we live in the overflow of everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. That is the definition of the word Godal, right? The overflow, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everything. And from the everythingness of a Kodesh Baruch Hu comes the free, free, free gifts, gift of life and oxygen and food and water and everything you have. And it's all part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's overflow. And nobody asked to be born and nobody, nobody made a choice to be this. This is just a Kodesh Baruch Hu's self-expression, which is creation overflowing that it brings to life not just all of the physical universe the entire universe but also humanity also the human being it brings everything to life it's a Kaddish Baruch Hu overflowing with self-expression so to speak and creation and that creation that self-expression gives life to all sorts of physical forms including the human being and so we find ourselves here without any involvement on our part just existing as part of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's overflow now, Avraham represents this. He also overflows. He opens his doors on every side. He says, everybody just gets to benefit from my existence. Okay. We explain that real chesed means to make oneself large enough that there's so much to overflow. For example, the more I make myself a patient person, that's just who I am, the more everyone who crosses my path will benefit from my patience. The more I make myself a welcoming person or a calm person or a happy person that is just who i am and i don't repress myself so anyone who crosses my path will benefit from that i am me god's all means i'm enlarged and it overflows it's all about self-development self-expression the more a person develops themselves this is true proper chesed proper overflow is i develop all the good qualities about myself hardworking, even if I make myself more skilled in music or, or I become a doctor, or I'm a better cook. By definition, that's who I am. So that's who I am. And 
therefore everybody benefits. So enlarging oneself and overflowing is the definition of chesed. Now, that comes from Avraham viewing himself, showing the world that a human being has the same quality of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that we also naturally want to just overflow with whatever we are. So when you think about a person who's very musical, like a great composer or musician, they don't sing while they're walking and while they're just because they're trying to, they're doing it for someone else. It's just an overflow. It's just self-expression. That's why people dance. That's why people do all the things they do, even if they don't get paid for it. Okay. So Avram brings the first and most fundamental idea to the world that a human being is here to express themselves. And the question is, what is it about us that's worthy expressing? <laughs> and that's where we have to build the worthy parts of ourselves because self-expression of stupidity doesn't give anyone any value. Okay, if my self-expression is simply um, how much I love food, okay, whatever, but that's not such a valuable self-expression. So we have to build ourselves. Okay, so that's the first thing. Avraham teaches the world that the essential, essential identity of a person is that we all feel that we have a right and we are dignified and we are respected for our own personal self-expression and that that's welcome in the world and that it's appreciated in the world and that it's valuable in the world. That's number one. However, self-expression or chesed or overflow must be regulated, correct? So if you look at Devarim, and we're going to see that this is going to be the associated with Yishmael, look how, look at this pasuk. It's talking about incest. There's also another puzzle like this about homosexuality. It says, if a person takes his sister, the daughter of his mother, or the daughter of his father, right? Meaning his half-sister, right? Or vara esarvasa, and he sees her nakedness, okay? It's called chesed. Chesed, look at the puzzle. It's called chesed. Now we're all, when I teach this to high school, they're like, what? What chesed is just being good? What are you like? How could chesed be this? Chesed means overflow. What if a person's desires, self-expression overflows and they never say no to themselves? It's not called a very healthy overflow. It's called self-indulgence. It's called me first. It's called, it's just about me in me attaining the pleasure of my own self-expression on my terms, taking no one else into consideration and not, there's no, there's nothing, no one else other than me that I need to be aware of. So that's why homosexuality, which is a man and a man, there's no female, there's no other, there's no anybody who puts a limit and says, I'm not like you, right? I'm not like you. You have to remember I'm in the picture here. So you have to treat me gently or whatever. It's pure self-indulgent, self-expression. It's actually called chesed. And you see that regarding Yishmael, which is Avraham and Hagar, Hagar's from Ham, okay? Um, there, Yishmael is referred to, is described as having chesed without boundaries, self-indulgence, okay? Mm -hmm. Look what it says when it describes Yishmael, who ye a para Adam, there'll be a wild person, para, parua, paro, okay, where Hagar comes from, in Misraim. Yado bakol, v'yad kolbo, he's gonna put his hand on everything. No boundaries. He gets everything. He touches everything. We want everything. I want everything. I want absolute indulgence on all levels. And then it's It's literally an American thing. In your face. Upon the face of all his brethren will he set himself up. He'll just come into your space, on your, in your face, and do what he wants. Literally, that's the Lashon of the Torah. <laughs> now this has a name guys look in the notes it's called narcissism okay narcissism is self-love self-indulgence self-censor self-centered personality style characterized in having an excessive interest in one's physical appearance but of course physical self-indulgence an excessive preoccupation with one's own needs at the expense of others uh, Moshe talked about this all the time. There's a Gemara that says that 10 measures of zima, of zunus, of sexual self-expression came into the world and Yishma'elim took nine. And if you look at the culture of the endless indulgences, 
the, the just think of hello it doesn't ever want to go to dubai the endless indulgence of every level never saying no to oneself now we all recognize in parenting and certainly in relation this is not there's got to be a balance if you always indulge yourself it's it's coming from the idea that i am god there's everything is part of me so i can use anything the way i want to because it's anyway all mine it's all mine so when you're looking at chesed, Avraham brings into the world the idea that everything is a Kaddish Baruch Hu's. Everything is Hashem's self-expression. Everything. And then Avraham, though, is asked by Kaddish Baruch Hu, can you put boundaries on that? If I tell you, Avraham, that all your work, everything you did in your life, your, all your self-expression to bring people close to God, what if I tell you, this is the Akedah, you know what, Avraham? I don't want any of it. Destroy with your own hands, your future, your, your, your reputation, the impact you made on the whole world, just destroy with your own hands. Because when you come down from the mountain, everyone's going to say you're a fraud and we're going back to the bazaar. <laughs> what if I tell you that your self-expression, even L'Shem Shamayim, has to be limited and constrained and it must be only within the, within the boundaries of my self-expression. And if I say, if I'm everything and I say, I don't need everything you've done your whole life, are you willing to destroy it all? And right, then you're, you're the, 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 the proof that your whole concept of self-expression is only within the boundaries of a Kaddish Baruch self-expression, then you have proper chesed. Then you have proper overflow because you limit it and you realize that your overflow of self is only healthy and balanced when it's channeling a Kodesh Baruch self-expression. In other words, the idea is that this is Hashem's world, everything is Hashem's self-expression, and we, our Voda is to take our individuality, our talents, our strengths, and put them at the service of Hashem's self-expression. That's the proper overflow. When we just say, when we take Hashem out of the equation and say, I am just like God, and I will also express myself and only express myself on my own terms, and I'm not expressing someone else's larger truth, then that's the, that's the unbalanced chesed. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay. So now you go to the next level, you have Yitzchak. Yitzchak totally absorbs Avraham's concept of bitol to HaKadosh Baruch Hu self-expression, that he doesn't even attempt to preserve his own life on the Akedah. He doesn't have, he doesn't see himself as having a separate life as, you know, to, to fight for as opposed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, against Hashem's will. He knows that everything is part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he totally absorbs himself back into a Hashem self-expression, where if Hashem doesn't want me, I don't need to be here. And he eliminates self. He's total gavura, restraint. He detaches from his sense of self and his own self-expression. He says, it's all just Hashem. I'm just like a conduit. He very much restrains any form of individual, you might even say initiative or self-expression. Okay, this is called gavura. How do we know? We learned about it last week. That, um, that um, and then I want to talk about the most. So we learned about it last week, that after the Akedah, he's detached from any interest in engaging in the physical world. A Yitzchak is known, you could read about this in many analysis of Yitzchak's Midos, for what's called Shev Va'altase. He'd rather be passive and not proactive. He doesn't want to express, take initiative to engage in the world. Why? Because he doesn't want to get lost in this world and get attached to things of this world. And he wants to always stay deeply aware of his connection to Kodesh Baruch Hu and only channel Hashem self-expression to the extent that he limits his own engagement and initiative in the world. That's what we learned last week. He go, comes out to Davin in the Sade, all right? And he says, Mehechanyatza, where did he come out? He came out from Ghana and it doesn't mean he was dead. It means he was communing meditating. He didn't want to get engaged with this world, in this world. But now, here comes, let's talk about Sarah and Rivka, and then Har and Sadeh. Sarah says to Avraham, right, if Avraham is this overflow, chesed, what is Sarah? Gavura. Sarah says, listen, your overflow of what you want to do, L'Shem Shemayim, to teach everybody about Hashem, is beautiful, but boundaries, not Yishmol. Yishmol doesn't get it. 
and he's going to be a bad influence on Yitzchak, and he can't be here. You got to hold back, hold back your good intentions of how you're demonstrating a Kaddish Baruch Hu's overflow of, of kindness to everyone, inclusivity to everyone, influence upon everybody, not Yishmol. She's Gavura, and Hashem says, listen to her. All right? So Avram rises up to perfect balance chesed because he does the akeda, he listens to Sarah, he's able to have boundaries to his self-expression, so to speak. Okay, Yitzchak is so restrained, so scared of self-expression. He's called Pachad Yitzchak. He's associated with Yira. He's afraid of engaging and losing himself in the world. He's afraid. He doesn't want to initiate. So here comes Rivka. She's Chesed. Remember Chesed? How do you know Rivka's Chesed? Give me an example. Chesed is overflow. How's Rivka Chesed? The, the water is overflowing. She has enough for everybody, for the right, for, for, for Eliezer and the Gamal. She's overflowing. And she comes, she's Chesed, and she draws Yitzchak back into this world. You have to get married and you have to engage and you have to put in effort. You have to have children and you have to have partners and you have to be involved in the world. She draws him back in. Okay, Avram sees Hashem as a har, high up, elevated, transcendent, total bitl. It's all Hashem self-expression. Okay, and that means that you can your only your only self-expression is legitimate if it's channeling Hashem's. There's no separate self-expression on your own terms. It's not self-indulgence. Yitzchak says, in that case, what's the point of this world? A sade is not a gan. It's not a place of planting and growing. It's like an empty barren field. It says, what's the point? This world is, is like an empty, it's, empty, it's an empty um, use, you know, place that, uh, that hasn't been cultivated. Well, I don't want to cultivate it because as long as I get involved here, it's, gonna, it's going to, has a, it's endangering my attachment to Kodesh Baruch Now, Rivka has to bring him back into the world, okay? Now we have, Finally, we encounter the we encounter what could happen with this attitude of fear and caution about engaging in the physical world. So let's just zoom out for a second and add one more idea. Remember, in our constant model of the fetus in the womb, there is a real mechitza between the mother and the child. It's the uterine wall, okay? And in, in our nimshal, it's the limits of our physical five senses to apprehend the Kodesh Baruch Hu. We can't, we do live in a physical world. It is not a spiritual world. We don't see the Shekhinah all with our eyes. We don't, it's a, it's a total different sort of a realm. It's a very different realm. It's all Gashmias, right? And, um, and there really is a Mechitza. So Avraham is saying, ignore it. We're all just part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, just like Hashem is everything. We also are all about self-expression. That's the godly part of us. Everything is part of us. Everything is an expression of, um, of our, you know, of, of, of um, and, and the healthy way. Avram is saying everything that we do with our personality is just an extension of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. There's really no barrier between us. It's an extension. Where Hashem's self-expression is running through us. And whatever is MS and right and true, it's going to be expressed through me into the physical world. Okay. Yitzchak is saying, wait a second. HaKadosh Baruch Hu taught us that in the end, it's Hashem's self-expression, not ours. So we have to be very careful to remember that our realm is totally subsumed in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Remember that our little existence here shouldn't be taken too seriously. He really emphasizes the mechitza, our, this physical world that we're in, that's not ruchnius. It's its own little separate thing. It comes and it goes, you know, it just exists for a little bit. It comes and it goes. It's just a little, so to speak, separate um, experience within the greater experience of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. It's physical. I want to add one thing here that we've been trying to, uh, beginning to learn about, about the Shamayim. You know, we think it says, Voracious Borolikim Esa Shamayim Hashem created the heavens, not just the physical heavens, and the earth. And we learn on the second day, Hashem created the Malachim. They're created. Even the Kochos that guide us and drive us and that Hashem uses to keep the world going along the plan are created. Even they come to an end. The mushal we give is the placenta, okay? There's a shamayim. There's a reservoir of all the nutrients and energy and oxygen and blood and, 
all the things the baby needs and will eventually flow into the baby and form the baby and give the baby health and vitality. But in the end, the placenta comes out with the baby. In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Ruchni's forces to guide us and, and strengthen us and enlighten us. And he conducts the world through them, right? But in the end, they're all for the purpose of getting our physical life right. In the end, when the baby is delivered, when the baby goes through the birth canal, which in the Mishnah is called the Kever, just like a grave is called a Kever, because not that the grave, is, not that the birth canal is a kever. It's called that in the Mishnah. It's that the grave is a birth canal. It's the same word. Because when we finally li finish living in this world, then the baby comes face to face with the mother. Then the baby doesn't get its nutrients through a flow from the shamayim, through the neshama umbilical cord into us. Then the baby nurses straight from the mother, right? It's a higher madriga. So, and that is also people, something's called shamayim, but we're distinguishing, you know, there's the, that's the, that's what people refer to as ganed and all that, but even some of the ruchnius forces are all created for our benefit, okay? So Yitzchak is saying, there's really, remember, this our little universe here that we're living in, right? It's just like our experience, and we can't get lost in it. And then what did the Ovedev Odezara did? They looked at the placenta, so to speak, the physical forces that govern their, you know, the rain and the sun and everything that they need, and they worship them. They worship he the heavenly bodies that they believed, you know, kind of like um, were in charge of the forces they needed in their life. And they thought that they themselves were the gods. And Judaism says, no, those are not the gods. Those are just forces Hashem created in order to run the world but they're not God himself, okay? So Yitzchak receives this world as very uh, distinct, so to speak, and also very temporary. The word Yitzchak means Kate's high, limit to life. Like don't take this life so, don't think it's, a, it's an entity in and of itself. It's totally part of something bigger. This whole thing is gonna end. It's all created for the for the just the experience, you know, the the challenge, the the avoda. So what does Asaf do? Okay, Asaf takes the same message that this world is not that meaningful in and of itself. All right, it's just an expression of a truer, greater world. So don't misuse this world. Don't get too attached to it. Don't think it's its own thing. Asaf takes this this same idea of this very strong mechitza. Yisodeh, exactly, exactly. He takes the idea of the mechitza, this world is a distinct entity. And you know what Esav does? He says, well, if this world is a distinct entity, he has a very con strong concept of the mechitza. He forgets all about what it's part of. And he says, well, if this world is a distinct entity, then you know what? This world, really, my father's right. This world has no meaning. This world has no actual meaning. Just like Yitzchak says, it has no meaning if it's not attached to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, Esav says it has no meaning. That is called nihilism. Nihilism is a philosophy that rejects general or fundamental aspects of human existence, such as objective truth, knowledge, morality, values, or meaning. Different nihilist positions hold variously that human values are baseless, life is meaningless, knowledge is impossible, or that some set of entities do not exist or are meaningless or pointless. This is nihilism, the whole, and that is Asaph. Asaph is too much restraint, so to speak, holding back too much of a sense of the separateness. You know, when, in order for Kodesh Baruch Hu to bring the physical world into existence and let us experience ourselves as separate entities with free choice, obviously Kodesh Baruch Hu has to hold back. It's just like the mother holds back to make space for the baby. So the Hashem has to hold back. He has to not punish us right away, not flood us with, the, with, the, with his presence, with his everythingness. Let us feel independent. So when you overemphasize that, you say, okay, well, then this world is so distinct, is utterly meaningless. Now look what Asaph says. Asaph, when he devalues life, but again, it's, it's a little bit similar to Yitzchak, but it's poison because he devalues it in that it's not connected to God, where Yitzchak says it's devalued if it's not connected to God. There's a little if. Yitzchak says, if it's not, it's devalued. Asaph says, it's not, so it's devalued. There is no nothing but this world, okay? 
So v'yomer esav hine anochi holech lamus. He literally says it. I'm going to die. Who cares? We're all going to die. Why should I care about the bechorah? It's literally nihilism. No values. No greater aspirations. We're all going to die. What's the point? Devaluation of life. Now, this of course is in um, distinction to Yaakov. All right. This is in distinction to Yaakov. Um, what is a person, we told, we described a person who is too self-indulgent, zima, zanus, okay, all of that. Very, very, um, never, never saying no to themselves, very absorbed in pleasure of the world. What does a nihilist look like? So when Yaakov said to Asaph, sell me your bachor, look, you don't see the value of this world. You actually don't see the value of this world. So you don't see that it's for a greater purpose. You don't see that it's part of a bigger picture. So you know what? You don't want to take the responsibility for using this world in sync with what it's part of. So give me those rights. I want to be the Bukhar. Bukhar means I carry on the legacy of my ancestors. I take these ideas into the future. So Yasef says, fine, I don't see any value in this world. Actually, I don't see value in myself. And obviously I don't see value in you. A nihilist does not see value in anybody, okay? So, um, so look what the Baba Basra says. He did five Averis on that day. He, and it's based on the Pasuk. Look above in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, He gave him the soup, whatever. Look at five words. He ate, he drank, he got up, he left and he mocked the Bechorah. The Gemara says it's referring to five behaviors of a nihilist, really. He, ha he had sexual intercourse with the betrothed maiden, meaning she was engaged to someone else, devalues everything. This is not taiva. This is like rape. This is violence. Okay? Yishmol is taiva, self-indulgence. This is violence. All right? I don't care about you. Then Asaph came in, that, so he brings the Pasuk, that he came in from the field, and it is written regarding raping a, a betrothed maiden, that he found her in the field as a Pasuk, that if somebody founds an engaged woman in the field and rapes her, it's the field. The field is a hefker. It's hefker. Do whatever you want because it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, next, he killed a person, and he brings the Pasuk. Okay. And um, then... It says that he that he killed a person. That's the next thing. Okay. Um, then it says he denied the principle of God's existence. And that's and it brings the Pasuk Lamazalibahora. And he brings the Pasuk Zekeliva and Behu. So it compares and contrasts them. All right. And he denied Trias Hamason. He denied that this world. Will, re, will, 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 will exist in a state of awareness of attachment to the greater Ruchnius that it was originally part of. He denies Chiesa Mesem and he despises the Bechora. All right. It's saying that he's like this he kills, he rapes, he denies that God exists, he denies Chiesa Mesem that this world has any purpose. And he certainly denies the Bechora, which is service or, or, or work, devoting yourself in this world to something greater. We're learning in the 13 Ikrim all about Tchiyas HaMesim and how it's a mitzvah. One of the Ikrim is you must believe in Tchiyas HaMesim in the Torah. And here, Esav is saying, and this is one of the, the, the part of the conversation when, when in, that, in, in relation to the third Ikrim, that Esav is saying this world is meaningless. Okay? This is nihilism. Now, what's happening here is Rivka wants originally to ask God, can you explain how it works? Right? She, this is the Nevoi. The Nevoi is, yeah, there is two really powerful forces. Okay. One is total beetle to the Ruchnias because your awareness is that everything is really just Hashem. Okay. And the other one is to, and the other one is really seeing that this world is a separate entity designed by God, physical with a purpose. And it's a real thing that you have to know how to use it correctly. And it does it. You can't just wish yourself into a place where it's, it, it's not there, okay? And the difference is that handling these two, how do you have the total truth of the Yichud Hashem, that everything is really Hashem's plan, Hashem's self-expression, Hashem's knowledge, 
nothing is outside of that and this sense of true individuality and self and self-expression and um and, and using your physical world how do you put them together and he says they're not equal there's got to be a hierarchy the hierarchy has to be the path of Avram first, Yitzchak second, and then Yaakov and Esau. In other words, it goes like this. First and foremost is the idea that everything is Hashem's self-expression. That has to come first. And that we also have that desire in us above all things to also be a person who's entitled to express themselves. It's the most powerful thing, okay? The next thing that has to be built off of that that cannot be diminished. The next thing that has to be built off of that is to say, okay, if so, what am I? If so, what am I? And a healthy sense of self is made out of first and foremost a con is the idea that I'm totally part of something bigger than me. The word is belonging. The most important emotional person has is I belong. I belong. And when a person's self-expression is outside of that and say i belong i express myself but on my own terms i don't care what anybody else says and i don't care about the conventions of society and i don't care it affects anyone you don't belong to anything the first thing is i belong and therefore my self-expression is curtailed it's measured it's taking the other one into consideration that has to be one then the second one is but what about me what about me how much am i supposed to develop myself develop my potential to have all kinds of skills and strengths in the world how much should i and the answer is to that very very much you should not think things are meaningless you should not think everything is just but you know it's hashem's will who cares you should not be a fatalist you should not be passive you should very very much develop yourself and there and only when a person and this is the proper avram yeslik and yaakov all and and only when a person okay has both of these truths strong in their mind first is i belong and i am in, and 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 as we said i am driven and i'm entitled and i'm supposed to and what a human being is is the desire to express themselves okay but at the same time i'm part of something bigger and so i'm channeling that through my own strengths that has to come second that has to come second and then the final balance of the two is now, and this is why Yaakov is called Tamim, Yoshev Ohalim, two tents, two tents, two realms. Now Yaakov is secure. Yaakov can enter the world and integ integrate in the world without slipping in the Ishmael way, without slipping in the Esav way. Yaakov is able to enter the world and negotiate real life, put in a lot of effort, build the world, make contributions to society, make, have 12 Shvatim, which all have their own strengths that they add to the world without losing sight of who we're part of and not without also becoming sort of like, you know, you know kind of like um, without becoming, without giving up too much and without holding on too much. You know, Freud, I mean, he came from Tommy to come and recognize this. He said, there's two most powerful forces in the world. One is sexuality, self-expression without limit, sex drive. And the other one, you know what the other one was? What did Freud call it? Hmm? Yeah. The death wish. That's the ace of, I don't care. Nothing means anything. What's the difference? I might as well do whatever I want because who cares? Now, these are true forces. One comes from, so to speak, de-emphasizing, let's say it this way, the mechitza, that we're just like God. One comes from, so to speak, over-emphasizing the mechitza, that life, this life doesn't really have value. All right? There's a proper way to handle the balance. It comes in stages. The Torah is literally pointing out to us through this whole development of how you get to the right balance and where it goes off and what it looks like. Now the imahos, remember we always said that male is the idea and female is the concretization of it. That's why when you have the actual building of the nation, taking the ideas and putting it into practice, that's where the imahos come in. Sarah comes in and says, it's a beautiful idea to have influence and express yourself, but it's not, it's not perfect. It needs regulation because if you 
oh, if this, if, if this, you know, I know you want to, I know you would like to have all this influence and you believe that you can have influence on Yishmael. But you have to realize that um, if the receiver isn't receiving or misusing what you're doing, what you're teaching, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be destructive. Like in the implementation and how it gets concretized in the real world, you got to look at how it looks in the real world. And if it doesn't come out right in the real world, then you got to go back and regulate it. And that's the same thing that Rivka does to Yitzchak. Let's just talk about, because it's this week's parsha for a second, where she interferes with Yitzchak willing, wanting to give the brachas to Esau. Let's understand that. So Yitzchak, we said, is shev v'al tase. He is not proactive. He does not initially hope to try to get involved. He lets things happen. And there's a lot of lushan in the Torah where things just kind of happen. His shidduch just appears before him. He plants and he gets a bumper crop just like that. Like things kind of just happen, okay? He's really being careful not to get in his own way, get in the way of his connection to HaKadosh Baruch now it comes to Esav. He sees in Esav, Ish Sadeh, he sees in Esav a person that also devalues the world, just like him a little bit. He's cautious of the world. Esav also is, is also doesn't, uh, has a similar character. He doesn't take this world too seriously. And, and, um, and he's young still, obviously. I mean, not so young, but still in the development phase, so to speak. And, um, and Yitzchak's, the Mepharshim say here, the, that he doesn't, he, the bracha is supposed to go to the Bukhar. And that's where it's supposed to go. And he's going to do what, what's supposed to be done because he doesn't interfere with his own, he doesn't switch it around. He holds back. Rifka says, it's a beautiful idea to be detached from the world. Okay? But you need to see how it looks in real life in different people. In Yaakov, it's balanced. In Esav, it's not balanced. And therefore, in the real world, in the world of concretizing these ideas in real life, you got to get involved. You got to look at the people and you're not looking at the people. To you, they're the same. You don't... So I'm getting involved and I'm saying, it's not going to Esav, it's going to, to Yaakov. Now, when he realizes that Rivka did this, he says, Vagam I accept it. I agree to it. The person I blessed, Yaakov, should be blessed. Rivka is right. I affirm it. She did the right thing by making sure that the bracha for physical, what the bracha was about was physical flourishing, the material world. She said that it should go to Yaakov. So now Yaakov, we know, takes on both responsibilities. Okay. He's balancing both. He takes on the responsibility of being the idea man, being the Yoshev Ohalim, the one who understands how to live right and, so, and, and is more of the philosopher, the theoretician. And then he also takes on the role of concretizing it in the real world, which is um, really, a, I was originally meant to be Asa. Asa's role was to be deeply involved in the physical world, to really see it as a real thing, to deeply engage in the physical world as a way of implementing the spiritual ideas. But what Asav has the dis, he says, I'm getting involved in this world, but not to implement spiritual ideas. I'm getting involved because I'm here. I might as well have the pleasure, the power. I might as well make the best of it, real survival mode. But in the end, I'm just trying to make, the, it's called survival of the fittest. I'm trying to make the best of it because, you know, and however I do, it doesn't even matter because nothing matters. So I can do it any way I want on my terms. I can do anything. So um, the balance is, the question that we're leaving you with is in relationships, and I think you know the answer, which is more destructive, too much chesed or too much kavura? Think about Yishmael and Esau. What do you say? Too much chesed or too much kavura? Too much chesed makes you a self-indulgent person. By the way, Yishmael did tshuva. Died at tzaddik, there were tanaim called Rebbe Yishmael. Too much gavura devaluing the world makes you a very harsh person. Nobody has value. Nobody deserves any generosity. Nobody deserves your overflow. If somebody wants something for you from you, why do they deserve it? No one deserves anything. This whole world is just survival of the fittest. Why you're a burden? You're an obstacle. Don't ask me for stuff. Make so you know sink or swim. If you're, hey, if you're lucky to be, you know, might makes right. If you're lucky enough to be the most powerful, you, you did it, you won. But in the end, um, I don't, you, you're, a, a person's self-expression is not valuable. A person's needs are not valuable. It's very harsh and judgmental, demanding, critical. 
It's very competitive. In relationships, the the um, too much too much detachment from the needs of others or the value of other people is much it seems more more destructive than too much self indulgence and not, and just you know kind of like uh, spoiling. Think about parenting. They're spoiling the kids, giving them everything, never teaching them that you know that they that there's something called no. That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean. It's not as it's, it's good. It's not. I mean, it's not. I'm saying it's not good. It's not good. But but when a parent, the, the when you look at the three hundred, the thirty, what I win, thirty five thousand was the number a month ago, of rehabs in this country, and every single one of them filled with people that feel like their life is worthless, and they have no value, and they want to kill themselves, and they want to cut themselves, and they want to sue themselves. That's not coming from being spoiled. Because it's come. It could, but when you give in everything, you don't know how to say no to yourself. It's very entitled and all that. That is true. You, nothing really matters. This is. All that's true. All that's true. It is. There's mental illness, of course. There's a lot of mental illness. It's true. There is mental illness. Absolutely. But there is mental illness. I don't want to generalize like that. But the feeling of that you have to earn. You see, in generosity, no one has to earn anything. You're spoiling, giving everything. Okay. It's not a good, it doesn't make a healthy person. But the feeling, this is, a, this, is a, this is not a black and white. This is just a thing for, for thought. The thought that you, deserve, you don't deserve anything. Prove yourself that I should do something for you, tit for tat. Why should I do that for you? You didn't do this for me. You don't, there's no unconditional love. There's nothing unconditional. It's all conditional because you don't really have any value. So I'll do for you if I, if I need you, if you've earned it, if I judge that it worked, that I've benefited from you. Otherwise, I, right? that's this tr tremendous diminution of the value of the person. And that in Esav, you know, with Yishmael, it says he was all over the place. He did a lot of zanus. But Esav denies Tchiyas HaMesim, denies that there's a purpose to life, denies that other people have any rights. And his father gave him everything. Yeah. Now, who have, we, who have we had more trouble from, everyone? The Yishmaelim. I want to tell you something. Just recently, we've had trouble from Yishmael. But Yishmael was a tremendously powerful, positive force in the world for hundreds of years. You know, in the Ramam say the greatest philosophers were Yishmaelim. They were people called Rabbi Yishmael. They were, they were, they were educated. They brought science, math, all sorts of developments to the world. Asaf is from Asaf comes. That is true too. Asaf is Haman, and Asaf is Hitler, and Asaf is. The, from Esav, not, not all of Esav, but from the strand of Esav, comes Amalek. I mean, it's a whole different ballgame. Because Amalek, which is from Esav, says, this world, is everything is, is, is coincidence. There is no higher purpose. There's not connected to anything bigger. You think, you know, it devalues and diminishes and mocks and humiliates any value to life. So um, in history, we've had a lot more trouble from ASAP. Now the end, let's just end with this idea. In the end, okay, there's gonna be a reunion. In the end, ASAP will recognize that it's interest in the physical world. In other words, today, today's world with all the technology, the endless, endless products and commodities that are constantly being invented and produced in the physical world, the incredible possibilities in the physical world, it's all, it could all be purposeful. It could all be like Torah anytime. It could all be at the service of greater ideas. It's all purposeful. You could still use it, but because it's purposeful, not because you might as well take it. Now, I'll give one last idea and then we'll pick it up next week. You know, when we look at this world, we look at it as we're working towards something bigger. The mushal is seeds. Somebody gives you seeds and says, these seeds Okay, if you're really patient and you grow, put them in the ground and you water them and there's sunlight, they're going to grow into exotic trees. So what we do is we say, that's amazing. Let's, let's build, let's plant for the future. That's what our approach to the physical world. The ace of approach is 
let me eat these seeds right now. You know, it's also a benefit. Let me just eat them now. There's no future. I just get the, I'm getting pleasure, but because I don't believe in the future. I don't believe in anything worth waiting for. So I'm just doing it now. So there's a lot of mafarches, there's a lot of action, but it's not going, it's not going anywhere. It's not for, for a, a future destination. Doesn't mean it doesn't look active. Asav is not, the death wish is not passive. It's deep involvement in the world, taking everything, having power, doing whatever you want, indulging yourself, everything, right? Tremendous. But it's all in the end because life in the end doesn't matter. So I could do whatever I want and I have my own truth. And if I can assert it, then good for me. Right? All right, everyone. Yeah. Very, very good question. The, um, what is it? It's really, it's a great question. Ace of, um, it, it, what he wants, that's a very good question. The bracha was for physical, material success. That if you look at Birchas, it's called the bracha of Birchas. There's two brachas. This is Birchas Avraham, which is your children will inherit the land, which all the Avos get. It's called Zera and Eretz. There's a separate bracha, which is just Mishmaneha, you know, you get the, 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 the fruit of the earth. Tremendous physical flourishing. And that's what he gave to Yaakov. And that's what Asaph cried about. Yeah. Okay, everybody. I'll check the chat a little bit later. You wait. Hold on one second. I'm going to end the recording and then I'm going to check the chat. So if you want answers, stay on. Esther, okay. if you look at the two sins.